You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Tuesday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. The day after the 49ers pretty much like peed down their leg on national television. Uh, we know that everyone is having a tough day today just trying to stomach the 49ers loss how it went down but look you know we're gonna lighten up the mood today as much as we can joining me to do that today is always not I mean usually on a Monday but you know today on a Tuesday all right Weston how you doing today Weston I'm great Seth this isn't our first Tuesday we've had a couple Tuesdays uh for for various reasons um, Merry Christmas, belated Christmas to you. Happy holidays to you know all your listeners, your family. I hope you had a, a fantastic day, and um, hopefully, I can convey through your show tonight that I'm actually pretty calm, cool, and collected considering the circumstances. And um, hopefully, we can talk a little bit about why the sky is not falling. You know, for San Francisco, the 49ers and 49er fans alike. Um, but I think I might be in a better mood today because I have intentionally avoided a lot of social media and i i don't know like my my soul i've just been sitting in my own thoughts for the majority of the day and not polluted by others so i I feel pretty good why why did i have a feeling that that was going to be the reason why you know you've kind of (laughs) cleared your head a little bit because you've been away from social media it's been crazy it's been absolutely crazy as expected like I think we all knew, even as the game was happening, the first pick, the second, people were going to have their takes about Brock Purdy. And quite frankly, it's the takes they've already had before going into this game. And for a lot of people, they just used it as a victory lap, as a chance to confirm their priors. But as I always say, I continue to say this about Brock just because he's still so young. At, at one point, I'll stop saying it. But for now, because he's still so young, the, the book isn't written on Brock Purdy yet. Okay? Like, the dude is going to throw some picks sometimes. And if you're going to do it, do it against one of the best defenses in the entire league. Okay? The Baltimore Ravens, I think, proved they're the best team in the NFL right now. Right? Yeah. They're the best team in the NFL. I- um. <sighs> Yeah, go ahead, Weston. It's, it's, I think some of the reason why I'm feeling a little bit better, right? Like, I, I, listen, I'm a fan like everybody. I want my team to win every single game because then my weeks go yeah. great, my weekends go great. But I know this is yeah. the NFL and there is parity in this league, you know, for, for a reason. But it's one of those things where you just mentioned it to the Baltimore Ravens, right? Like, yes, this was not a good showing by the San Francisco 49ers. And you never want to see your team perform in this manner. You know, you can use, fluke or whatever term you want to use but like every team goes through a game like this even on their their road to the super bowl they the team that just did this to us goes through games like this and and spats like this it's but you did it to the baltimore ravens who are arguably the best team uh, the best team in football and they showed it right um right now as we're having this conversation you know, boast the, probably the best player in the National Football League when all is said and done at the most important position. This wasn't done against the the one win Carolina Panthers or the three win Arizona Cardinals. You know, like the 49ers beat themselves 
but that's not taking away anything from the Baltimore Ravens because that's how good they are. Like you're going to make those mistakes. We're going to capitalize that. That's what it is. It, it, it's that simple. The ball bounces funny. It's an odd shaped object that they toss around that field. And, you know, today we've been fortunate throughout this season. We've had a number of those odd bounces go our way and we sing a different tune and they just, they didn't go our way and you got beat by a really good football team. But the end of the, the, the world is not coming to an end. No, it isn't. And, I think we all know that it's just like I'm irked to no end because all the things that people are saying, like it's like the 49ers aren't allowed to lose a game, (laughs) you know, and, you know, no one's remembering the facts against the Ravens. The Ravens have every right to, you know, talk and, and say they're the best team. Hey, they earned it. Their team balled out. But I don't want to hear from any Eagles fans. I don't want to hear from any Cowboys fans, any fans from any other team not named the Ravens right now because those teams are projecting. Those teams or the fans of those teams are just saying those things. And even Micah Parsons, I don't know if that was a fake tweet, but I saw something Micah Parsons said about Brock. Maybe it was a fake tweet because I haven't seen it um, actually from his Twitter. But it's just it's people who wished and hoped that their team was going to play that way against the 49ers and then it didn't happen. So when it when another team does it, it's like, oh, see, well, you're yeah. do it. So what does that say about your team kind of thing? I, I'm irked, but for different for different reasons like that does that stuff does bother me. But I. I guess I'm old and seasoned enough stuff that like I just kind of one ear out the other, you know, like I hate the hey, our team beat this team and this team beat your team. We're a better team. Like, no, every game is different. Every situation is different. I don't think that way about the 49ers and you shouldn't think that way about your own team. I'm more irked to your earlier statement just on the what I have to imagine is the decapitation of Brock Purdy across social media today. Again, I've been very diligent in avoiding this for this purpose. I wanted to save all conversation for tonight, but like the, the instant removal from all relevant conversations. And I told you any quarterback can do it in this offense and Brock's not good. Like, every quarterback has a dud. I, you you know, I've said it many times on your show, Steph, that I was still a Trey Lance guy when we were rolling into this season and I've come around and I came around on more than one football game, right? So I'm not going to jump off this train or this wagon based on a single football game. You know, there's a lot of things that I actually saw from Brock post these interceptions that still showed me like this guy's got a little bit of moxie. He's still got some swagger. He's still going to mm-hmm. throw out the throw the ball. You know, I I I I kind of like what Kyle was like. All right, this thing's spiraling, but f it, like go out there and sling it, dude. Like the writing's on the wall. Like I think who was it? Aikman made the comment last night during the game about Brett Favre's mentality, right? Like, hey, Brett Favre would throw three interceptions and say, "Screw it, I'm going to go throw three more." You know, like. That's the swagger that you kind of want from from your quarterback. I just hate the the like today felt like is it probably felt like receipt day, right? Like everybody who yeah, said in the yeah. beginning of the year that Brock was never going to be anything. I told you, I told you, like I, I just I just don't have time for that. Like I just don't. Whether they're right or wrong, like you're not doing it off of one game. Like I just I, I hate it. I hate that so much. Like just the 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 receipt game. Everybody needs to be right. You know, and then they disappear when they're wrong. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's all I'm seeing. That's pretty like that's bothering me more than the actual loss because it's like I know that the 49ers are going to be okay after this. Like this doesn't this isn't an indictment on them. And I mean, if it is, it it simply just tells us that the Ravens are a good team. They're a better team. Like they deserve all the respect. That's it. It's as simple as that. Like that doesn't take away from Brock Purdy and the 49ers being as good as they've been this season. I was honestly more worried during the three game, you know, skid that they had more so than this game. Uh, Just the fact that you know, it was on Christmas night and it was a primetime game. That's what hurts a little bit more. But aside from that, like, what are going to be okay? Brock Purdy is going to be okay. He's going to start against the Washington Commanders. I don't know who needs to hear that, but there, yeah. there is no trust issue there with uh, Kyle Shanahan no. and Brock. Things just got, a hand, got out of hand early in this game, and it was what it was. It- yeah, uh, Brock is not benched, right? Like th- this was actually a wise decision by Kyle Shanahan with playing musical chairs at the offensive with the offensive line at the end of the game. Like, hey, he's a little nicked up. He's got that stinger. This game looks out of hand. There's no reason to put my quarterback in harm's way. When again, the focus is about winning the Super Bowl. It wasn't about dominating the Baltimore Ravens in week 16 of the NFL season. It's still about winning the Super Bowl and you want to have all your pieces. I think my concern over the loss is just like, okay, let's see how this young 24 year old kid responds, right? Like that's, we still want to see that response. We still want to see that. We still, Hey Steph, when you woke up this morning, was your team still in first place in the NFC and in control of their own destiny for the one seed? They sure were. Yeah, right. Like, is the the world is not coming to an end. This game on it here. I'm gonna be real, and this is not me being like trying to pad my own feelings and emotion right now. I, I have somebody tuned in who's watching it, watching us right now, who can validate because I had this conversation with them three days ago. I was like, this game's irrelevant. The only reason why this game is relevant is because you want to know that your team can hang with the best of the best mm-hmm. because that's where we are in the season. But a loss. For either team, Baltimore or San Francisco, doesn't hurt you. It's in the opposite conference. Doesn't play in the tiebreakers. You have mm-hmm. a one-game buffer. And you know what? Like, they just went on a six. We went on a five-game tear, got humbled. Went on a six-game tear. Hey, maybe we need to get humbled again as we're going into, like, the reality of what you're playing for in this season. And I know teams, like, I always say this. The best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. The hottest team wins the Super Bowl. And it's hard to have this, like, loss in December, right at the end of December, and feel like your team's hot going into the playoffs. But remember when we beat the we beat the the Rams in Week 18 for for our playoff lives? I'm pretty sure they went on and won the Super Bowl that year, right? Like mm. it, it it has happened, and it's really really hard for a team to win. So we went six straight. You need to win another six, right? Because you got to go on a five game or you know four or five game to win 10, 11 games in a row in the NFL is really, really difficult. And most teams don't do that. Like take the Philadelphia Eagles. They like, they won a lot of games last year and then Hertz was out. So you can argue that those games didn't count at the back half. Went on and won some playoff games, lost in the Super Bowl. Like maybe this humbling piece came at the right time. And why I like it is because I'm, I'll be honest with you. And I'm going to be in the, the, I'm going to be the odd, odd, oddball here. I don't really like the bye week. Like I know people do because of like rest and whatnot, but like how many times you've seen teams come out of the bye week playing sluggish and slow. Yeah. And like, yeah. like if you're, if you're a hot team, you want to keep playing ball. Like that's all you want to do. And you know what? 
Now the 49ers, if they really want that bye week and need to get healthy for names like Armstead and give, give McCaffrey, a, you know, his legs a break. Now these two games matter and you can't go to sleep and you need to be playing your best football going in, going into the playoffs. I think there's, there's some silver lining that comes from the outcome of this game, but let me, that's having 24 hours to reflect. Let me go back and be really, <laughs> really clear on this stuff. I hate losing like any other fan hates losing. Period, oh, yeah. point blank. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we just got to deal with it any way that we can. You know, finding a silver lining is one of those ways that we find some solace, even in the losses. You know, everyone has a different way of dealing with it. You know, some people take the overreaction route. Okay, that sure, that that's okay too. But what me and Weston are going to tell you today is that the sky is not falling for the 49ers. We are not panicking because this is just one game. All right, shout out Paul. He was like, he's watching this game out in the UK, and it was a 1.15 a.m. kickoff for Paul in the UK. Shout out Paul, man. Make sure you guys are subscribed to his channel, UK Faithful. Um, yeah, man. Doing some great stuff, putting out some great content. Shout out to you, Paul. Um, Ghost says, crazy how they root for DeVito but criticize Brock. Yeah, for some reason, like, I mean, I'm sure there's people who criticize DeVito too. But I think, you know, Brock gets it because after a certain point, you know, he got propped up quite a bit, you know, by the media. A lot of people, right, saying all these good things about Brock. But they're only saying those good things about Brock because of what he was doing and what we've seen him do, like, 49er fans weren't just waiting to hand Brock the keys to this team, but we felt comfortable doing that. And after uh, many weeks, you know, of him kind of proving himself and us seeing it right away, him passing the eye test for us. Yeah. I'm going to get, Oh, sorry, Steph. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to get crucified for it because I live in giant country, as you know. Right. But the reason why people aren't, all over DeVito who got benched right in in, in this game and are all over Brock is because Brock has staying power because you can see it with your own two Mm -hmm. eyes that he's here to stay like Tommy DeVito is Jeremy Lin reincarnated in a different spot you knew this was coming to an end like you you knew it you saw it because the way he was winning games is not like sustainable way to win football games like the way you know Brock was like it's flash in the pan it's backyard football um and it was great and it was fun and it was exciting but it was never going to last the team's not good enough around him for it to last so you just wanted to enjoy the story and the truth is is the national spotlight either loves or hates the san francisco 49ers more than they hate probably 30 other professional football teams right (laughs) you know maybe maybe dallas is up there in the grand scheme of things and everybody loves to hate the patriots over the last 20 plus years uh more in particular because of one individual but that being said like the staying power behind what Brock is doing and uh, the continuity around it is certainly makes him uh, more of a prime target to be punished in these moments than a Tommy, Tommy Cutlets would be, you know? <laughs> and I think, it, you know, the fact that Brock Purdy was in the MVP conversation made people feel a way about him. And, you know, a lot of people didn't feel like he deserved to be in the conversation. Um, but, you know, that's a topic for another day, right? Chris Osorno says, I don't blame Brock for this loss. I blame Kyle for this collapse. He left his QB high and dry while CMC was cooking the Ravens. His ego insisted that Purdy outplay Lamar Jackson even after two to three interceptions. 
Weston, before you say anything, you know, in yesterday's um, post game, someone in the comments kind of said something to me in, that struck me because I, I kind of agreed while I was watching the game. And it was that they felt that Kyle Shanahan was maybe trying to prop up Purdy in this game, you know. And to me, it felt like he was trying to make a point in a way with Brock. Um, having him pass so much in that first quarter, having it, it, it was almost like we can throw against anyone. We're not scared of you kind of thing. Um, and also this kid deserves to be in the MVP conversation. We'll show you why kind of thing. And then it kind of backfired, right? Do you feel, is there any part of you that feels like that was kind of Kyle's even subconscious, um, intention with this early game plan that he had with Purdy. I, I feel it with my entire body and Oof. I'm not, I'm not even upset about it. If I'm being honest, if I'm just yeah. being truthful, like good. I want you to have that level of confidence in your signal yeah. caller. Right. True. Like, and, and look, looked pretty good and worked pretty well on the opening drive. Right. Bad read in the end zone, had another player open, right. Play call. Ayuk was open. Just the way it went in the progression, it was um, – I just think – I think that was – I do think that was the game plan. I think Kyle wanted to come in and say, we're going to throw this ball all over them. And and I think they are capable of doing that. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, what are you, uh, nuts? Like, trying to throw the ball all over them? What, what I don't love is that I think our identity is still and always has been, like, through the run game with arguably yeah. as well – maybe a top three, four, five player in the entire NFL behind, you know, behind number 13 and Christian McCaffrey. Like, how do you not get that guy the ball as often and as frequently as you possibly can? But I think this is where coaches outthink each other as well. He knew Baltimore was going to come sell out and try to do everything they can to stop the run. Okay, I'm just going to throw it all over you. Guess what? He's not doing that with Jimmy behind center. Probably not even doing that based on how maybe Trey or anybody else would have progressed. He would have forced the issue on the run. But I love that he has – that confidence. And then you know what happens, Steph? It, it's it's flow of game. Flow of game changes. Tip passes happen. Interceptions happen. Change, you know, big time changes of field position are happening. Yeah. And then the game kind of gets a, away from you a little bit. And then, then you kind of have to abandon the game plan, right? Mm-hmm. They got back to it at the end of the first half, right? That that whole drive where they scored. Yeah. Touchdown. All Christian McCaffrey, right? Down the field. All 23. You get in. Awesome. You get the ball second half, you go three and out, they come down, score, and then all of a sudden it's like, I got to put the ball in the air again. And things just spiral. When things go back, I mean, the fact that this team was only down by four points after three interceptions and three really short fields for the Baltimore Mm -hmm. Ravens in the first half, getting the ball back, who wouldn't have signed up for that based on the way that the, the game unraveled in the first 30 minutes, you know, and then? It catches up with you. It always catches. You always got to pay the piper, and it caught up with them. Yeah, exactly. I I did feel like the defense was doing a pretty good job, but you keep putting your defense out there after so many turnovers, and, yeah, it's it's eventually going to catch up. The defense not going to be able to hold um, Lamar Jackson much longer, right, as good as uh, Lamar is. How good Um, is he? He's awesome. He's amazing. And so, like – I'm not I don't want to take anything away from what the Ravens did. All of my criticism, I think, falls on the 49ers solely. Um, but it's not even like criticism. It's just like 
man, like, I, I don't know what to say. Like, quite honestly, I don't have a lot of analysis on the game. It was yeah. just the 49ers getting spanked in all three phases, yeah. you know, I, and it, it happens. Like, sometimes that happens. Um, you know, if these two teams were to meet uh, later at any point, you know, of course, that would have to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, if that were to happen, I would just hope that the 49ers have a different <laughs> game plan because yeah. clearly the Baltimore Ravens had an excellent game plan, especially on defense, to stop Brock Purdy and this 49ers offense. And I will say, the reason that I'm not panicking as well, you can say that, oh, the Ravens gave uh, other teams a blueprint to stop the 49ers. There are only maybe two teams who can operate that game plan that the Ravens had and have it be successful. No. And those two teams are probably the Browns and the Ravens. No. <laughs> that's that's it because they're they're the only teams who have the defense and the personnel and the the defensive coordinator to have that all come together and to perfectly stop that, you know, this offense, right? Yeah, it's I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, there's, I don't think there's a blueprint on how to beat the San Francisco 49ers because I think they can beat you so many ways. Evident by all their wins are double digits, you know, like they're putting spankings on people. But the reality is, is you know, you said you don't really have an analysis on the game because it is that simple. Can't turn the ball over five times and expect to win a football game. It, it's that simple. And you can't, you know, what's so funny stuff is like watching the game. I thought they really actually did a pretty good job containing Lamar, right? Like I thought so too. It, it, also like, it wasn't flashy. It was just like, just bravo, Lamar. Like, just like, well done, you know? But they, constant pressure, right? The, what, what makes Lamar so so dangerous is, I, th I thought our defensive line lived in the backfield. The issue is, is like, the quarterback is, he's never where a quarterback is supposed to be in a three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop behind the center, right? Like, he's able to change angles, right? So, like, even if you think about you're in a zone scheme, you drop your linebackers into, like, your hook-to-curl region, that's designed to take the angle away this way from behind the center, right? But when Lamar's outside, it's just different ways to fit the ball in, and he's just so dangerous with his legs. I just... Um, it's hard to coach against, and I don't, I say this as a compliment. This is not to belittle anything that the Baltimore Ravens do on offense, but it's backyard football. My athlete is better than your athlete. How do you, how do you scheme that up? Like you, do you, I don't know a defense in the league that has an athlete that can match the athletic ability of Lamar Jackson to just right. spy him all game. And, and that's, it's hard to coach against. It's hard to stop. I don't think anybody on the defense deserves any any salt for this game whatsoever. I actually thought they put out a pretty darn good show and given, uh, you know, the way it unfolded for them. I mean, absolutely they did. And, and that's really what it came down to at the end of it. That's when the game kind of got out of control because the defense had to be out there for so long. And Lamar is... You know, he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Honestly, I thought he deserved to be in the MVP conversation even before going into this week because it wasn't un even until going into this week that it start. you know, people started talking, this could be the, you know, what could choose the MVP. You know, I, I Lamar quietly was has been having a great season. I know the numbers aren't there, but anyway, this isn't a Ravens podcast and, not, you know, we're not here to <laughs> praise the Ravens. Um, but you know what? 
usually at this point in the show, you know, me and Weston do our 49K player of the week, uh, which is the point where we give a bunch of players who had great performances and we vote on who had the best one for Nike player of the week, right? Well, you know, this week is going to be a little different and it's because I don't really think there's anyone quite deserving of for Nike player of the week this week, but you know, in the spirit of trying to be positive and in the spirit of, you know, keeping some silver lining, you know, in, uh, I don't know. In the conversation, we'll we'll name some players who we thought had fine games. It doesn't matter, right? The 49ers lost, but just just want to acknowledge some performances that I think would have gone unnoticed, you know. So Weston, do you want to start off? You said you only had two. I only got two, maybe two and a half, um, depending upon how far we go down the line. But I'm just going to start with Christian McCaffrey. Just, you know, we're I don't you know, the loss doesn't hurt his MVP candidacy like it does (laughs) Brock Purdy's based on the, the performance. But just watching this guy, you just can't tell me he doesn't belong in this i know it's a quarterback centric award but my god what he does he's just special 14 carries 103 yards that's seven almost seven and a half yards a clip still found the end zone so he just continues to break more records you know under the 49er franchise i mean he added another uh six catches for for 28 yards so what do you have 131 total yards on on 20 total touches he was the offense while the game was still a football game Right. Um, in, in my opinion. And I, you know, I'm sitting here talking about how good Lamar is and he's the best player in the league at this moment in time. If he's one to me, Christian McCaffrey is one A, right? Or one B. If he's one A, McCaffrey's one B right now. And he's just, I don't know, like in just a physical, grimy game like it was, the guy's just out there for every single snap and does everything that you could possibly ask for him, including catching no look behind the head head passes from your quarterback, you know, on fourth down and taking a whooping just to make the catch, right, and protect the play. Um, Christian McCaffrey, for me, 100%. Uh, just a shame that we couldn't get him uh, more involved in, in, in the crucial moments uh, of the game. That would have been nice to, to see how this game might have been different. There are players that in, like, blowout losses, you can kind of see them progressively check out of the game, you know, and just yeah. – just stop trying because what's even the the point? Um, Christian McCaffrey is not one of those players. No. He will play like he's down three with a chance to, you know, tie the game, get the 49ers in, in field goal position or something like that, or get him a score for the win, like at all times. That is his mentality. He's a competitor, like through and through. Um, and the 49ers are lucky to have him, obviously. I on the conversation of Christian McCaffrey, I, I was kind of hoping that he would be a more focal point in the first quarter because, look, I, I think I figured that the Ravens were going to try to stop the run, and they have a very talented defense, so maybe they could have. But I think like if there was a little more balance to it all, it could have benefited Brock Purdy a little bit. Uh, kept the Ravens on their toes of like not really expecting okay what play is this is this going to be a run is it going to be a pass sort of thing 
Um, you know, the the Ravens hadn't seen a lot of 21 personnel um, going into this game. That's something you could have used to your advantage. Um, credit to the Ravens for how they handled pre-snap motion. They weren't really, like, biting on it. Uh, kind of the same thing, actually, the Browns did. They were very disciplined in that. But even so, I, I think I would have liked to see more McCaffrey mixed in there just because I know he's like he's just the kind of player that no matter how good your defense is, you know, he'll spring for for a big gain and give your offense a bit of a boost, you know, when needed, just because he's he's that talented of a player. He's so good. <laughs> he just, you know, like we we knock Kyle when he overuses him, and then in the same breath, we knock him when you underutilize him. It's like a no-win situation. So at that point, just just overuse him. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, he's 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 that good. He is that much of a difference maker. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't like to live in, in hindsight, but I do think there would be a different outcome if he was utilized a little bit heavier early on and uh, very early on in this game, like within the first and second possessions of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that McCaffrey is in, in in the MVP conversation. It's because he's he's so good, regardless of the defense that is in front of him, right? So, I would have loved to see it. Um, again, like if these two teams meet in, in the Super Bowl, I would hope there'd be more of a a balance in in the way that they would attack this uh, Ravens defense. But you know, I'll, I'll just say something about the 49ers defense. Javon Hargrave, I, you know, quietly because, of course, it was in a losing effort, but this was his, uh, you know, first game back after missing last week. Uh, He had six pressures, a sack, five hurries, three stops. I think he was a huge part of getting, like, Lamar off his spot, you know, in the pocket. And that's big, right? Like they needed that in this game. And I know they, they miss Eric Armstead a hell of a lot, but Hargrave being out there, you know, did kind of uh, lessen the blow a bit on the interior. Um, so credit to Javon Hargrave for what he did in this game. Yeah. I thought he played a heck of a game coming back from that, that injury. And, you know, there was obviously concern that he wasn't maybe not going to play. We already knew a couple of days ago that Armstead definitely wasn't going to play. Um, this particular game and you know he he showed up beat his man constantly this is what i was saying earlier stuff like i thought defensive line in its entirety actually played well you know it's just mars a slippery sucker like it's just really hard to get i mean they had total 23 pressures 19 hurries as you know as a team like i you know the vast majority of that coming from your down lineman i just you know i felt like they played a really good game and it's just they they met the ultimate equalizer in in number eight and what he's able to do. And just he just stretches defenses, right? And he makes any frustrates. You know, if you, do, if you think the 49ers defensive line is the first defensive line this man is frustrated in his career, uh, certainly is not. I mean, we saw what was it, Jacksonville last week they yeah. played when they used like they was like all over the internet where the guy was like, how after he like hit Lamar, like it's tough. But yeah, I thought. Um, Javon looked healthy. I thought he looked more explosive than he has, even in the past couple games that he has been playing in. Right time, right? We're getting into the the final two games going, and so hopefully he can keep that going. But yeah, he he definitely jumped out on the tape for sure. 
on the topic of defensive tackle, you know, while we're here, a couple hours ago, we got news that the 49ers signed defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, formerly of the Los Angeles Chargers. And he's a young player. I think he's like, what, 28 or something like that. And, you know, he was released uh, from the Chargers you know, because they fired their head coach, probably that was part of the reason. Give him a fresh start somewhere on a contender. He cleared waivers and, you know, the 49ers make a, a big pickup, you know, at, at this point in the season. And I think it, it tells us a couple things, right? Obviously, there's concern over Eric Armstead and his his uh, foot injury, plantar fasciitis, um, acting up, right? Because the same thing that kept them out several weeks last season and Kyle Shanahan last week or earlier this week said he said quote concerning that was the word he used to describe Eric Armstead's injury so not ideal but at the same time I love this move by the 49ers absolutely regardless I mean I I think it's it's a big signing at this point in the year you don't often get this fortunate that a player you know I'm not sitting here and saying he's a replacement of Arik Armstead, right? But like players this good don't usually like float around, especially clear waivers, you know, when every team that's making a playoff push or, you know, is looking for that level of talent. And we're familiar with this guy. We saw him play in LA, literally, right? For the Rams and then now the actual um for, for the Chargers. So so we know this guy, he's got division um, you know, familiarity, and he's He's formidable, you know, and he's another piece, big body, young guy, physical guy, he's a high motor guy. Um, you know, is he going to make a ton of splash plays? Like, no. Um, but I think he in there, he he's he's an upgrade. The biggest concern is, like you said, is that to me tells that we won't see number 91 for the remainder of the regular season. Best case scenario is the way that I'm looking at this. You know, I think if the if it folds right, what's he missed the last two games? Mm hmm. And then, so miss another two, get the bye week, you get another two. Maybe that gives him six weeks rest before he comes back. Maybe that's maybe that's enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But I think this, to me, signifies that there's no way we see, you know, and, th- and then maybe they can feel more confident about being like, we're just sh- literally shutting you down for the rest of the season so we don't have to play this cat and mouse game every single week. Like, Because Kyle said it. Yes, it's concerning, but we feel like every week he's got a shot. He's got a shot. He's got a right. shot. It's pain tolerance is what it comes down to. Never had plantar fasciitis. Uh, heard it's painful. You know, man, that big, that size needs its feet. Can only imagine how that feels. Yeah, the the shot that he needs is a is a pain killing shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll be getting those come playoff time. Totally. But I think it's a great move too because one, I, I was concerned about Kinlaw getting too many snaps. And I only say that because part of the reason that he's been able to stay healthy this season, I think is because he, they were keeping him on a snap count basically all, all year. And he was more of a rotational guy. I want that to continue because that's when he's at his best. So I don't want him to necessarily be a starter in every single game. Uh, And so I think that gives the 49ers some flexibility. And also it, the 49ers don't need to rush Eric Armstead back. I think that's the, that's a big thing. Like Eric, all right, take as much time as you need. We we just want to make sure you're right. Ideally for the playoffs. Okay. So keep that in mind. 
Um, but the 49ers can manage with Joseph Day these next two games in the season. As you mentioned, going back to L.A., that's going to be a pretty interesting one in Week 18. So or I think that game's played in uh, Santa Clara, but going up yeah. against that Rams team will be interesting uh, regardless. So, Weston, you said you had another player that, you know, you thought had a, had a you know, good, good decent game. Who, who is it? You just took him. I had I one. I had one and one. Oh, it was Hargrave. Yeah, I had one and one. It was Hargrave. Okay. I, was, I I joked when we were rolling that I might have two and a half if I had to put another <laughs> name out there. I would, um, I put George okay. Kittle into that okay. conversation as well because yeah, of Kittle. what he just continues to do, and and most of his production came when the game was still uh, a football game, right? Like opening yeah. our opening drive and you know the big play down the field, but another game where he's. And this is this is the version of George Kittle that we all love. And this is when I think we see the best version of George Kittle when he's actually involved. We know he's a hell of a blocker, but when he's involved in the passing game and he's making an impact, I feel like he enjoys blocking that much more. Those are the games we get the clips of him pancaking people and laughing the entire time and and just playing goofy fun like he's in Pop Warner all over again, George Kittle football. And, and you saw a lot of that. And, and again, it wasn't. It wasn't at the end of the game in garbage time under Sam Darnold. You know, it was it was when it mattered the most um, and, and when the game was still a game. And I thought so I'd put him on the half flowers, half 49K player of the week uh, list. But, yeah, the <laughs> two that I had written down were Hargrave and, and Christian McCaffrey. No, yeah, I think for me, definitely Kittle was was on there just to give him some flowers, because in the first quarter alone, he had 91 yards. It looked like he was well on his way to having a day. Um, but I, I kind of feel like Kittle was one of those guys who, as the, as the game kind of progressed, you know, he just kind of fell into the background a little bit. And one of the interceptions from Brock Purdy came from the ball just bouncing off of his chest. I mean, the defender was there too, probably like an aggressive, ill-advised throw from Brock yeah. Purdy, but Kittle should have caught that like I thought it was interesting earlier in the week I forgot what the question was but Purdy was being interviewed and he said he mentioned something about Kittle catching passes with his chest <laughs> too much great example right yeah. like then and those are the risks uh those are the things that can happen uh when you tend to catch passes with your chest if you and don't catch does. them that it's, he does. Yeah. He's a tight end. If, if Brock says it, then yeah. you know it's true. Um, but yeah, that one, that one was was a tough one. He was also credited with a drop. I don't know if that technically was the drop. The drop yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, so he kind of fizzled out as the game went on. You know, which most again, everybody did. <laughs> most everybody did. Yes, and so whatever. But the first quarter, he was on his way to having a good game. Now. I know we were talking about the defense and how like they weren't as bad as it seemed, at least early on in the game. I don't want to talk about Ambry Thomas. He was targeted seven times, all right? Mm -hmm. He allowed four catches for 17 yards in this game. He had a penalty somewhat early in the game. Like The game was still kind of close at that point. Um, and shortly after that, like we saw Jason Verrett go in who the 49ers signed what like last week or a week ago yeah a week like, or two at max most yeah. yeah 
he he just got back. And of course, you know, Verrett's been with the team before, so he's familiar with the scheme. He's familiar with the players and all that. But I thought it was very, very interesting that he went into the game uh, when, like, I, I don't feel like Ambry Thomas's performance warranted him being benched. And I know he wasn't being benched. But if a guy's playing good like Ambry Thomas has been, I just don't know if you mess with that. Like, I, I know they have a lot of respect for Jason Brett and, you know, doing him a solid, not sure. I know I'm, Kyle Shanahan said, you know, based on how he'd been looking in practice, he wanted to get him some reps in there. But I think the drive he went in there, like, didn't the Ravens have a short field? They had a short field quite a bit in this game. But, like, they scored on that drive, and it was very – in coverage on that one. So I was a little iffy about that decision right there. Yeah. So they had a short field because that was right after the Mitch Wisnowski late hit out of bounds. <sighs> yes. On, on a <laughs> big punt return plus another 15 tacked on to it. I, I'm just, per- I have no idea like who made this call, this decision. I assure you Kyle Shanahan didn't make this call, right? He was sitting on the sideline, probably figuring out what the hell was going on, like with his offense and talking to Brock and, Shown them. Um, so, but I don't, I don't understand this because just signed, hasn't played ball all year, right? Ambry, unless Ambry was like cramping or like I didn't see him in the tent, but unless he was like being looked at for, for something, I don't know why at the flow of the game. I mean, Steph, it was still 16 to 12 at this point, right? This yeah. isn't in the, the back half of the game where you're like, all right, get our starters out of there. And, you know, that cheap – listen, I know we're all – I'm perplexed as to why he was even out there in the first place. I'm not getting on him for giving up the touchdown because that was another – and I know this is not a Ravens podcast, but that was another Lamar-esque bought more time, and they know the fire drill, and, and you break off your, your defensive back and you just find a pile on, and, and they'll they'll find you. But I just still don't even know why he was in the game in that moment for I, – I just don't know. I literally like I I can't even give anybody the benefit of the doubt on it because it's certainly not the decision that that I would have made like you you have your you, you play your guys like this is not exactly we want him to be our guy like but like this 2023 Jason Verrett is not 2020 Jason Verrett which was the last time we saw him be the version of himself that we wanted to be I, I'm, I'm perplexed by it I have no idea Kyle Shanahan um, earlier today spoke with the media. He was asked if there was some level of dissatisfaction with Ambry Thomas, uh, you know, playing outside uh, on nickel downs. And he said, no, we like how it's been going. Um, And so again, like that begs the question, well, then why are you messing? (laughs) Why are you messing with it? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, and you know, it spurred questions. Well, was Ambry hurt? Well, I think after the game, Kyle Shanahan said it was a hamstring injury for Ambry, but I could have sworn he went back in the game. Yeah, he went back in the game. Yes, he yeah. did. Yes, he did. Exactly. So something's not adding up for me. And okay, Kyle was asked about Jason Verrett specifically, and he said, quote, we wanted to get him in there, start experimenting with a couple of things. We planned on it being real short. I know our goal in the game was four to eight plays. I think he ended up getting five. So just a part of some schematic things to know our options for the future. Fine. 
fine. He played five snaps, yes. Fine. But he gave up a touchdown in those snaps, and at that point in the game, the game was still closed. So, like, that's why I'm just – I had a hard time with that one. It's not the reason the 49ers lost this game. So, you know, it's really just a small thing in in the entirety of that loss. But it is just something that I'm a little – just confused about because okay if you wanted to get him in there work him in experiment you couldn't have done that against the commanders man like <laughs> dude or in the back half of this game you know exactly. what i mean like when exactly. you could have played them 40 snaps what i thought it was crazy too I, i'd have to go back and watch but i don't think i'm wrong on this his first snap they had him playing in the slot like this is how you want to break this man back into the, this game? Just is put, so like what? I like put him outside. Like leave Demo in the slot, right? Like again, just like disrupting flow, you know, and disrupting. Exactly. The was not playing poorly. The mere fact that the, the Ravens only had 16 points at this point in the game, based on our offense doing essentially, I don't want to say nothing, just shooting ourselves in the foot time and time again. Why are you mess? I just don't understand why you're messing with that. I don't. And and also, and this this will be my last thought on it for today. Like Ambry Thomas has done so much, I think, to like re rehab his confidence. No like, doubt. dude was in a in a rough spot, like mentally, and that was part of the reason why he was struggling so much as a corner. And he's worked his way back into being like respectable and and a trusted player on this defense. And we're just going to start like subbing him in here and there. Like, I don't know that just, it feels crazy to say, because at one point I didn't want to see Ambry Thomas on the field period, but he's been playing well. And I think he deserves to be out there. So just interesting, something to keep an eye on. Um, But yeah, I mean, I didn't really want to vote for a 49k player of the week. Cause like I said, this was just no performance really stood out to me. Like if, if McCaffrey was more involved in the game, I would have probably said McCaffrey, like, and I probably do say McCaffrey just because yeah. like, there was nothing that that man did that was bad. And he was probably like the only, only player. I think he had two penalties actually, which is, you know, crazy, but it didn't feel like it was bad. So McCaffrey would probably be my pick for 49k player of the week, a player that provided some silver lining as he most often does for this team. Um, but Weston, who would you have picked? McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey. Yeah. yeah it's the only one that jumped out and, and it, it's hard. And we've always said this stuff all season long, like the losses based on the premise of this show are going to be more difficult than the wins. It, it yeah. is what it is, but I love that we're flexible and we pivot here and let's, I think we, we you make can adjustments. Made, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Halftime adjustments, baby. We're rolling. Like, let's go. It's one of those things where I just say, like, how you started it. Like, you know what? We're going to change the premise of today's show. We're going to let you, we're going to reassure 49er fans that the world is not coming to an end. You still have a first Amen. round home playoff game, no matter what happens the next two weeks. You have additional, fo- I know that's not the goal. Uh, it's never the goal. And that would be considered a disappointment. But, you know, it's not like we were tanking for Tua and decided to win football game. You know what I mean? Like in that scenario, you're like, what the hell's going on? The world's coming to an end. We can't even lose right, you know, like some teams do. It's just, <laughs> it's all about perspective. It's perspective. 
Well, yeah, I mean, shout out McCaffrey uh, for giving us that glimmer of hope, even in the really bad losses. But Weston, I think it's time we put some guys on notice. And look, I, you know, I'm going to keep it brief. I'm going to keep it brief because, like, in a loss, we could probably rattle off a number of different things, a number Everyone. of different players. Um, I have three. I have three today. Um, and, okay, the first one <laughs> is not really me putting them on notice. It's more just, like, I noticed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm i not putting you on notice, but I noticed that I you see didn't you. have that good. Yes, <laughs> I saw. So, Jair Brown, I, I, yep. I noticed this wasn't your best game. Which is okay, cause like he's a rookie, he's still he's still learning some things. You know, this was a tough offense to defend against. All right, so I I noticed Jair Brown didn't have the best game. He had three missed tackles, um, you know, per PFF, and I see you, man. But it's okay. I think Jair Brown's one of those guys who's gonna be able to learn from this. He's gonna be able to bounce back. Um, but you know, I noticed. No, listen. He'll get coached up, right? Yeah, we have confidence yeah. in the coaching staff. He'll get coached up. He's a sponge. Up. Yeah. Um, he's still far exceeded expectations since the moment he stepped on the field. But I, yeah, I, I noticed it too. Um, but it's funny that like what that type of quarterback will do to that type of position. They'll just have you running all over the field, chasing your tail, and when you haven't Marley seen a lot of Fred ball, crazy. We never Mar- seen Fred look like that. he's he's a really good player (laughs) you know he's just a real really good player here here's the good news your point you don't have you're not seeing one of those for another couple weeks (laughs) you know what i mean like get back to the brand of ball that we we play um at least the next two on the docket tend to tend to hang out in the pocket um and not make you look uh that foolish and, and run around but yeah yeah it you noticed. I noticed. A lot of people noticed, but he'll be all right. I have faith in the kid. I think he'll be all right. I think so too. All right, Weston. Who who you got for us? Who you putting on notice? Colt McKivitz. I just Dude, yeah. what are you doing? Oh and, my the, God. and this is hard for me stuff because I say this all the time. Like these guys are still NFL players. Like, who am I to criticize <laughs> their skill they're, and confidence they're... level? But I think I'm going to step out of my comfort zone a little bit here and just say it's just bad. It's just really bad from the right side of the offensive line. And it 68 stands out as where like the leak is, you know, um, just constant pressure, uh, constant. I mean, listen, Brock's final interception, right? That was that's Colton's guy who gets in there. And I was I was listen, I was just glad it was just an interception, right? That looked eerily similar to how the UCL got ruptured in the in the first place and thinking like, here we go, you know, this late in the season, what this is what we're going to see, but it's just, it's the, it's the offensive it's Colt McKivitz, but really Steph, it's the offensive line play without Trent Williams in the game. It, it's, it's bad. And I don't even fault them. I fault this team for not addressing that position more seriously. Um, when they, when they realistically had, the opportunity to do such, you know, but the reality is, is there's no way to fix it now. The bodies don't exist on your team. They don't exist, you know, in free agency, like a Sebastian Joseph day does right now. And, you know, unclaimed waiver wires, but yeah, the right tackle is, is a huge problem for this team right now. Yeah, it is. And I know we're not talking about the full season here, but like Colton McKivitz has been, 
pretty bad, like all season. He's given up nine sacks this year. He hasn't had a clean sheet since the only clean sheet he's had this year was week three against the Giants. And that was because they were blitzing and Brock Purdy's was getting the ball out quick. (laughs) Stupid quick that game. Uh, Yeah, nine pressures allowed, six hurries allowed, one quarterback hit, which was, yeah, that scary moment, him getting hit on the elbow, which caused yet another interception, allowed two sacks, 25.5 pass block grade on on PFF. That is deserved. That is very much deserved. (laughs) And I get it. Like, the Ravens are a really good team, but my Lord, like. Yeah. This yes, I I agree with you, Weston. Like this was so unnecessary. We didn't we didn't have to go into the season with Colton McKivitz as as a tackle. Nope. Um. Hopefully, like I I get it. Like you drafted him and you want to see what he developed into, and you know you have confidence because of maybe how he looked in the off season. I don't know, but you gotta you gotta reevaluate and you gotta invest in the offensive line. Trent Williams won't be in the MVP conversation, but he absolutely should be because things just get ugly when that man's not in there. And we see what the opposite side looks like, and it ain't pretty. So, Cole McKivitz, you are absolutely on notice, sir. <laughs> um, God dang. All right. I, I have one more. Yeah. And this one's deserved, too, because it's several weeks coming. I actually probably put him on notice last week, too, and it's Ronnie Bell, man. Congrats on the second career touchdown. Okay. Yep. Um, I do like Ronnie Bell as a receiver. I do. He's an awesome receiver. Like he's cool. He's he's probably like I haven't seen anything bad with his blocking either. Like, you know, okay, he, he's cool. Um, but the punt return duty is not for him. No. I think it's been clear as day. Like, I think we all just kind of expected, okay, well, okay, he muffed that punt. But next week he's gonna improve. You know he's he'll be fine. Like he'll just he'll learn from it. We just haven't seen we just haven't seen him learn from it. There was a moment in this one in in yesterday's game where he he caught the punt and he just dropped it. But he he was out of bounds at that point. But he like if he was in bounds, that would have been crazy. I don't think he dropped it just because he was out of bounds. Like it just looked like a straight up drop. Drop, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So concerned. Um, color me concerned about Ronnie Bell. And you know, I don't know if I want to see him out there much longer. And it sounds like Kyle Shanahan is starting to agree with us. What's the alternative? though too yeah i agree with you right i four thousand percent agree with you like i just want this man to fair catch and step off the field right that's it like i don't care where the ball is right if it's gonna i think i said this exact term last week if it's gonna be inside the 10 run away from it right if it's outside the 10 fair catch it we'll take it from there and we'll move on i don't need you you know i don't know if it's in the number number 10 which coincidentally is my lucky number as well but these guys at punt returner wear number 10 love to put the ball on the mat that's for sure but I don't know. What's the alternative? You're going to put Debo back there? I, I, I don't like that. You know, I think you're just setting them up for an opportunity. Like, I don't know. I don't know who else. Like, you'd really have to go back and say, who's got any experience fielding punts, even at the collegiate level, you know, prior to to getting here? It's, it's tough. You know, it's like now you see why Ray Ray was 
significant because he right. he does things. And oh, by the way, you can he's he got schemed into the offensive game plan far more frequently than Ronnie Bell would too. So it's not like mm-hmm. just eating a roster spot to have your punt returner, kick returner there. I don't, I don't I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't know what it is, but I know it's not him. I'm confident in that. Well, when when Kyle Shanahan um, this morning, Tuesday, was asked about it, uh, the, he was specifically asked, will you look at Brennan Ayuk more as a punt return option? He said that they have a few guys who can do it. He mentioned Kyle Juszczyk. He said, we can always make the decision with uh, McCaffrey if we wanted to. God, I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't think it's that serious. Um, but, you know, he also acknowledged Ayuk does have some experience with it. Uh, so I guess we'll see. I mean, Juice would be fine because I, I trust Juice to do it. So, But then you're I not asking I, Juice point, to return it. You're just asking Juice to yeah. field it cleanly. Just field That's it cleanly. It. That's all I That's need you to it. do. Yeah, Exactly, because Ronnie Bell, I think, has proven he can't even do that. So, yeah, yeah I'm sorry, man. But <laughs> I get <laughs> like, it. I get it. Ronnie, like, Ronnie, you know, I, I still like you as a receiver, but – the return role is just not for you. So hopefully the 49ers can, you know, make some adjustment there in, in the coming weeks before playoffs roll around. And of course, like Ray Ray McLeod will be back is, is slated to be back by the time playoffs roll around. So that's the one positive, but Weston, do you have any, anyone else to put on notice? No. All right. then. I, I think no. we've, uh, we, we've bored you guys to death with, talking about this christmas day game it is damned like i don't want to talk about it anymore so you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna talk about it the rest of this entire week, week with every the, day with great <laughs> slate of content um for you gonna be back tomorrow with my usual wednesday show with john chapman wayne breezy that will be 8 a.m pacific time if you want to catch us live if not you know, you can always catch the replay and you can always catch the audio version. So be sure to subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Be sure to like this video if you, you have not yet. Not just my channel, but Weston's as well on We're Talking Football podcast. Weston, again, happy holidays, man. And hopefully next week we're talking about a win, right? Yeah. Uh, better luck next week, we'll, we'll say for now. But uh uh, just appreciate you, Steph. Happy holidays and look forward to doing this all over again, maybe with bigger smiles next week after Washington. Exactly, exactly. Well, appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. But for now, have a great Tuesday night, folks. Peace.